You know, here we are, starting off the 107th episode of the Brian Oak Show podcast. And you know, this isn't one of those things like where you start a new checking account and they're like, can we start your number at 1,000 so it looks like you've been writing checks for longer? Fuck that. This is 107 episodes into whatever this silly, musical, self-indulgent nonsense is. And that was Queens of the Stone Age, and that's probably like only the third or fourth time in 107 shows I've even... And we only played 10 seconds of it. I'm I'm shocked by that. I thought for sure, like every other episode, I was going to be like, oh, there's another. Oh, more Queens and of the Stone I, Age. I, and I like them. I just haven't spent enough no, time no, with and them. It's fine. But I'm also a little alarmed that my adoration of the band hasn't bled through to the show. But before we got on and got rolling here, we were talking about people who go to fish shows, people who take drugs. If you're into acid, <laughs> listen to Queens of the Stone Age. First of all, stay in school. Don't do drugs. Don't do acid because it's not good for your brain. That being said, people still make those kinds of choices. If you're going to do that, then listen to Queens of the Stone Age and not fucking fish. Christ. Maybe <laughs> maybe widespread panic, but for God's sake, not fish. Yeah, I just don't get that one. My but. name is Oh, I you know, I hear I hear the opening strains of bouncing around the room or even some of their deep tracks. Yeah. And I'm like Oh, all I can think about is is like the like the the weirdest member of your fraternity who's like, no man, it's cool, and it's he's, the he's, community. He man. had a hemp ne- hemp necklace, yeah. And as soon as one of those guys refers to anything as the family, I am fucking out. My name is Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode one hundred and seven, getting off the ground right now. Once again, recording here in the Smart Start MN Studios in beautiful South Minneapolis. And yes, here we are in mid November, and it's been such a strange year. Where the the sub freezing temperatures came early, then it came back to seventy, and now we're somewhere in the middle, and we're actually a little warmer than we're supposed to be right now. But it's a beautiful, bright blue sky, sunny late morning uh, in mid November, and I am glad to be here, Sean. I know we already talked about this off the air, but I got to be honest. I think about it anytime I see your face or see your name pop up on social media, or God forbid, I run into you here at the Smart Start MN Studio. What? I I wonder. How's your mom? Because your mom tested positive for COVID, has slash had COVID. I don't even really know how that all works. But your mom, as we talked about since she's been on the show, three-time cancer survivor, congestive heart failure. She's like the last person you want to see come down with COVID. I want to know how your mom is. Uh, She's doing okay. She had to transition into assisted living, which she can't stand. Um, And, you know, in many ways, I don't blame her because it's a scam. Uh, we are taking advantage of senior citizens, especially in this mm. country, with assisted living. Yeah, I don't know how many people. Now, who's you've... we? You and I aren't taking advantage of. Oh, them. I make a lot of money off of my assisted living I stocks. I don't think that's true, but there are people who. <laughs> no, but that's people at the top in a lot of things. But it, but in this one in particular, I I don't know the perspective. I don't have anyone in assisted living. You're telling me that somebody's making money off that it's i'm just gonna say it it's four grand a month for 400 square feet and they do provide meals that my mom said it's kind of like the tv dinners without the tinfoil oh. <laughs> like they, they heat them up they flip them upside down put them on a plate and like they make you you know they make they i don't know how to say this they require that they give you your medication what's weird is you know four thousand dollars a month I feel like if if there weren't greedy assholes at the very top of the chain, four grand a month, I would spend if I knew that my loved one 
was living in a lap of luxury. For $4,000 a month when you're paying for that, now I understand that medical care is expensive. I understand it's expensive to have someone on staff 24-7. I understand that food and the basics are expensive, but it's clear when you see the quality of care compared to what it costs that somebody somewhere is gouging and drinking the blood, the lifeblood of the system and these dear people that we hold dear. I'm not against spending four grand on someone I love a month, but I, I, I want to feel like they're being treated like a a, a, a a person of royalty. Well, we won't keep going on this, but ultimately... Oh, what, feel free, because what, you know what? what, what, what they go do, ahead and get mad once in a while. What the system does is they bleed you dry of any money that you have whatsoever, yeah. and then you flip over to Medicaid or Medicare. Right. And then basically they give you... You're left with about 130 bucks a month. Mm. For the average person that doesn't have a lot of retirement savings, you are so screwed. So, so if there's a thing to maybe think about changing in our healthcare system with the baby boomers retiring and everything else yeah. it, it's a scam and so we're in this pickle right now of what do we do with mom because there's not an alternative i mean you could have mom at home but you also have to try to live a life and and take care of your kids and your actual life and so that's why assisted living's a thing i'm not against it being expensive i am against once again turning around and just watching greed and graft and just just yeah just people not acting like fucking human beings yeah let's just pretend that the money went to the nurses mm. and went to the caregivers <laughs> but we know who it goes to it's the owner's of the assisted living place that makes most of that money. They can't be reached right now for comment. We did reach out to them, but they were all in Bermuda together at a laughing party. And so <laughs> we uh, we couldn't get any of them for comment, but I understand that. So, But the upshot is, and I'm not sure I heard the right answer, your mom's okay? She's in a She's decent okay. spot? She's Co- okay. COVID was, she described it to me yesterday. She said it was surreal. And she said, yeah, I too thought I was dying. There was oh, a point man. of hallucination, she said, where... It's no joke. She said, uh, you know, the people that are not taking it seriously, she said, I know some people it, it's like no worse than having a cold or something or maybe not even that. And she said, but for some of us, she said it was hellish and bizarre and just odd. She said some very weird things um, during her COVID time. So, And it's weird because it doesn't affect any age group or any demographic exactly the same. There are people in their 30s who've had to be intubated. They're on feeding and breathing yes. tubes. Yeah. And there are people who are 60 who were mildly symptomatic and moved on. What we don't know is long-term legacy of this. And I, I think much like the way the disease affects the general population itself, long-term legacy is also not going to yes. have a uniform pathway. No. It's going to have a varied thing. But for a lot of people, it's going to end up being a pre-existing condition. And that's also going to potentially fuck things up. <laughs> By the way, our jackass president has still not conceded the election, even though mathematically, by the irrefutable laws of fucking mathematics, it's over, you bitch. Yeah, I I just hope they literally take him out on a rail. I would love it if they, I would, this is wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. God, I would love it if they physically removed him from office. I don't like, think literally it'll... grabbed him by the arms. <laughs> I was going to say something else. <laughs> were you going to say flippers? What were you going to say? I was going to say by the junk because of his grabber by the pussy thing. Oh. I was going to say grab him by his nuts Will you and do me yank a favor? him. This is there. the Brian Oak show. And while we do, we do believe in a higher purpose, we do believe in being right and treating each other well. If there is anyone who has done away 
by orders of magnitude with any goodwill he might have had coming, especially when he said it the first time, go ahead. Just you move on him like a bitch. You grab him by the junk and you pull him out of the White House. Feel free in the he future. He admitted it. And that's what that's what gets me. Like the people that I know that are on the far right. I'm like, no, 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 no. You called yourself a Christian. He admitted it. He, there's not a bigger hypocrite that, that's ever been in the public eye. No. I cannot ever advocate violence. I still, at the age of 52, have never thrown a punch in my life. I just, I can't. So I do not advocate violence against him, but I promise you this. If I see him being escorted out, and I see that spray orange face streaked with tears on his last <laughs> official helicopter ride, I can't say it'll bring me joy, but I can't say that I'm going to lose any sleep over it either. Well, things are going to get better, and that's what I'm trying to hang on right now. I am one of these people, and we're in this kind of mode. I, I have a hard time believing it's ever going to end because right. we've been on this Groundhog Day bullshit thing between him. I feel a little COVID. better every day. I do, I do too. A and, little better every and day. I'm starting to feel optimistic about a vaccine. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I but, but by him dragging his feet, yeah. this transitional money yes. to get the new team in place, yes. but more importantly than wh- how it affects Joe Biden, how it affects Vice President Harris, how it affects things at the highest level, by dragging their feet, they're dragging that transition team, which the president-elect has said is going to be his number one priority. There are people's lives at stake. I, I usually hate when when uh, newscasters or personalities or anybody like that is just given to hyperbole and they use these giant words and lately they're talking about the skyrocketing numbers. And normally I'd be like, you know, like if there's a steady increase, a major increase, but if you look at the graph, the numbers are skyrocketing. Yes, they are. The very worst is still in front of us and anybody who impedes that is worse than we already thought they were. Look, we're not going to do the rest of the show on this. In fact, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to be talking to Teak O'Reilly who... I would like to sum him up in one sentence, but I don't feel like we're going to begin to sum him up in one podcast. And so I'm not even going to work on the tease. We're going to hear some music right now, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to delve into, it's sort of like an unboxing video, peeling back an onion, going through the various delicious levels of a parfait. Um, Wow. Oh, yeah. There's a lot lot happening in in the next 45 (laughs) minutes. But first, uh, my last question for you before we get into this next song, because we went a little longer than I expected, but I'm glad your mom is hanging in there. Yeah. I really am I'm glad of that. Do you ever have these songs that follow you around? They're not a they're not a band that you necessarily adore. I like fine, but I don't ever go out of my way to put on a record by this band or man, I wonder what this band's like. I don't ever think about this band this way. Lou Barlow from, you know, Jay Mascus is the guy everyone knows from Dinosaur Jr., but mm-hmm. Lou Barlow has been an important part of that band forever. I'm going to go on record and I'm probably going to get some hate mail. I don't give an F about Dinosaur Jr. And there I, are people I, that love them. No, worship, have Dinosaur Jr. Y- tattoos. Yeah, yes. I, I don't have anything against them. It's just, it's... It's like it's like Sunvolt. It all sounds the same to me. I just and I, I can't I can't get excited. Now that doesn't mean it's not good. It just means it's not for me. Now Lou Barlow, the the quieter but also important member of that band, had a side band. He's actually had a couple of side projects, but Sebado is a band he put out. Yeah. And Sebado wrote a little more sad sack indie pop, thoughtful singer songwriter stuff. Oh. And I don't love all of it, and I like some of it just fine. But again, one of these bands I'm not ever excited about. But there's one song that he wrote that haunts my freaking dreams it, it it's not every day and it sometimes will be years before it pops up but then it's a song that i hear and i can't get out of my head and it follows me around like a lost puppy who's mad at me <laughs> is it the original version of mbop 
Nope, that's Hanson. That oh, came a okay. few years okay. later. All right. This All particular right. song, and so again, I'm not saying this is a song that everyone else has to feel the same way about, but I know we've all got songs out there that do this to us, and we may make it a, uh, the focus of a, a future podcast we should. and, and get, like some, get some listeners involved on some cer- certain themes, but I woke up with this song in my head this morning, and it is sort of sad and plaintive and thoughtful and wistful. I don't even feel that way today. I'm in a really good mood today, but I can't get this song out of my head. When we come back, it's Tico Riley right now. It's Sebado on Fire on The Brian Oak Show.
for those of you who are old enough to have emo children, uh, guess what? They'll always be emo. I'm a 52-year-old emo guy. I just, I don't want to do any cutting, and I'm not, I don't really look good in eyeliner. Other than that, though. Did you try it ever? Did you ever do the one no, Smith's I'm, day? I'm, or? I'm way too much of, I'm, I'm. And again, I don't, and you know, self-mutilation is actually a very serious bit, and I'm, and so I'll never make light of that, but I was always way too much of a coward. Like, I'm like, I, was too. I don't like needles or blades or any of that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sad, and I'm not sure that I feel anything. <laughs> I'm really not making fun of it, and I know someone's going to be offended by that, but I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. I will go on record as saying, nope, I'm just too much of a coward, so I feel like I can be emo, but I'll tell you right now. There's not a piece of cloth in my house that isn't tear-stained. So, <laughs> fuck you. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 107. Uh, before we get to today's guest, who's been very patient so far, and putting up with a lot of nonsense, which is the nature of coming into the Smart Start MN studios, I do want to thank our main sponsor, Smart Start MN. They are Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? It means that they get you back on the road sooner than you otherwise might if you have a DUI. I'm just going to, I'm not going to target it up i'm not going to dance around it people drink and drive terrible idea getting busted well you probably got lucky especially before you hurt yourself or hurt someone else and you know it probably sends the message i can't do this shit anymore but you're going to find that life gets difficult and it gets expensive but you can get back on the road you can get back to building up a better life with the help of smart start mn yeah go to smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show for 20 percent off the installation of the ignition interlock it's weird to have our primary sponsor, and by the way, Mike and Ed are genius. They've been with us since before we recorded our first episode, and here we are at 107. It's weird to have the main sponsor of the show be someone that you hope no one will ever have to call, but present company included, we don't always all make the best choices, do we, Sean? Well, especially when we have like a lot of chemicals in our body that then judge or cloud our judgment. You know, that's the thing that people go, what an idiot that guy was for drinking and driving. Well, right. for those of us that have done that before, like you may park your car four blocks away, but then you decide to have a few drinks and then you have a few more and you were going to take an Uber and then you don't because you're judgment is clouded because i i got this i totally exactly. got this until you it's don't only have it. a mile the number of people <laughs> and you know and, and the people who want to live in judgment i promise you you've drunk you've driven when you probably shouldn't have driven so again it's not about judgment it's about getting your life back together and getting back on the road smartstartmn.com slash the brian oak show our guest today is someone who i know far better from social media than the real world but we've interacted so much that i felt like i know him as well as well not quite as well as i know you sean because i've i've been dressed by the like the grim reaper while you've been singing on stage with a cover band oh yeah that's right right. on a halloween (laughs) that was back when we were both still drinking anyway as to today's guests let me give you a little background born in chicago raised in denver so world traveler Liberal arts educated in Wisconsin, this guy, Tico Riley, has ricocheted from public radio, wine, music, and media for the past 30 years across Boulder, Olympia. I hope that means Olympia, Washington, because we're going to talk oh. about the Pacific Northwest. It's where I was born, the only place I would live other than Minnesota, but I love it here way too much. Uh, Lawrence, Kansas, Santa Fe, Flagstaff, Flagstaff, Arizona? Holy cowboy, South Korea! 
Japan. Oh, see, we don't have a long enough show to talk about all this. Anyway, here in Minneapolis, after a stint at NPR, we'll talk about that too. Teak played pioneer in the co-working industry as Coco's first employee. Co-working, like we we rented a studio when we yeah. very first launched this place. Those co-working facilities where someone's like, I don't want to pay for a whole office building, but I need somewhere to go set up my laptop that's not freaking Starbucks so I can actually get some work done yes. and not be wildly caffeinated by 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, he's also um, the most important. Oh, wait, look at that. Okay, so Coco's first employee co-creating a vast community that has inspired dozens of projects, the most important of which has been the urban and mobile sauna revolution, which I absolutely want to talk about because sauna protocol and and sauna life, sorry, sauna life oh, there it has is. a very specific ritual that I've had a lot of people lecture me about, and I've also been able to lecture a lot of other people about. I'm looking forward to talking about that. The bottom line is this. Teak is, you know, you hear that term jack of all trades, but I feel like he's also sort of a, a master of many of these trades. Like, cause usually the phrase goes jack of all trades, master of none. I consider Teak O'Reilly a master jack. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. How long have you been working on that one? <laughs> uh, it, it actually, it, it fell into my head about 30 seconds okay, ago and I had right. to find a way to end with it. Before I start talking anymore, my God, it's been 20 minutes. Teak O'Reilly, how are you today? I'm doing really good, and I'm enjoying the heck out of being in this room with the two of you nutbags. Um, yeah, for, as far as Corona goes and quarantine, yeah. uh, this is a great way to break out and see two wonderful faces and hear voices that I haven't heard forever. So I'm having a yeah. great time. It's well, thank you very much for coming in. And let's talk about that before we get into you, how we all know each other, et cetera, et cetera. Corona has been weird on everybody. And I know just like Sean and I, you're someone who loves to go out and see live music. You're someone who, you know, not only who you are socially and spiritually as a person, but, you know, a lot of what you do to put money in the bank deals with dealing with people you are out there among the people all the time let's be honest this is not the best era for being a sauna guy is it i mean like people don't not only do people not want to be around each other they certainly don't want to sit there with their towels off in a small room sweat actually that's the only thing i want right now we're kind of doing that right now we except are. we're dressed and there's no rocks to pour water on um <laughs> how has your and i know this sometimes sounds glib but i mean it in all sincerity how has your isolation and coronavirus era been treating you are you all right well i'm okay you know and it's easy to be okay when you compare yourself to so many horrible stories around the country or you look at the big picture with the politics you guys were talking about you know, I look at my little life and I'm like, oh, I'm doing fine. But, you know, to be really honest, just man to man, uh, this has been that year for me as well. Uh, I had major dental surgery. Mm. Uh, mm. You know, you mentioned the sauna business. Uh, we had to shut down uh, with the with the quarantine. Uh, but there is some good news on that front. And that is actually where my life gets kind of exciting and, and uh, taking advantage of the of the quarantine and the coronavirus um, because the public sauna is shut down people started putting them in their backyards and in their homes like crazy. Uh -huh. So na internationally, it's taking off, and people are also looking for environments to put in their backyard, tent environments or just places where they can bring their kids and family and be together. So it's been exciting. Like I got goosebumps just talking about that mm -hmm. right now because it is another co-creation where you're helping people find their way in these crazy times, and I just happen to be in, a, in an industry where it, it took off. Uh, so, so yeah, for me, you know, on the personal health level, there's been, there's been challenges and, 
you know, Sean, you and I talked before the show. Both of our moms have been yes. diagnosed with, with COVID. And your mom's doing okay. She's doing good. And, you good. know, she tends to be crazy, positive, optimistic. And I'm always trying to read between the lines. Yeah. Are you really fine, yeah. mom? Yeah. Or, right. Yeah. You know, you're just trying to keep... That's how moms are, right? right. I don't uh, want to be a burden to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a burden. <laughs> you die on me and you don't let me know that you're in yeah. bad shape. Right. Yeah. But no, even that has been a, 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 a positive story. And, and my mom and I... Um, we've always loved each other very, very much. Um, I just turned 50 last week and I was able to go out and see her in Wisconsin. Happy birthday. Uh, well, thank you very much. Yep. And, um, so yeah, like I said, there's been the ups and the downs and, and I'm just kind of riding through this and trying to be of support to my network of friends. And, um, but no, the, the sauna thing is probably a, you know, a good place to start because, um, the reason I reached out to you, Brian, was that Munson uh, uh, mentioned sound at the end of, of his broadcast. He was just on the show. John oh, Munson, yeah. for people who don't know, Semisonic, you know, who recently got back together, put a few songs together. But John's obviously been making music from Trip Shakespeare through many, 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 many different projects. And he he's one of the most... So when I moved to the house I've lived in for the last 15 years, he lived a block over in southeast Minneapolis. So I got to know him there. But clearly, there goes the neighborhood when Oak moves in because he was gone like a year later. But he moved out to the sticks a little bit. He wanted a little more space, a little more time. It, it, frankly, it suits him. But he did mention on that podcast that one of the projects he's decided to indulge in with his time and given the current era was to build a sauna in the backyard. I mean, and so are you involved with him in that at all? Uh, I might be indirectly, so I represent a lot of parties in the Twin Cities and up in Duluth, and in fact, we're bringing in some uh, stoves from Estonia, so it's kind of uh, international now, but locally, we're a small family, so it wouldn't surprise me if he's getting some help from like um, from Glenn Auerbach, who does Sauna Times and does a bunch of, uh, helps out people with really great builds. For those of us who aren't widely traveled, where the hell is Estonia? Estonia is just south of Finland okay. uh, and just west of Russia. So do we count it as Eastern Europe? Do we count it as Scandinavia? It's not Scandinavia because not even Finland is Scandinavia. Come on. Uh, no, it's uh, it's I called a Baltic, it's a Baltic state. Always yeah. learning. You're, Finland is a Baltic state? Well, no, Finland, well, they might be considered a Baltic state. Oh, but, but Estonia is. Estonia is. Got it. Okay. So, um, right. And there's, uh, what else is there? There's Riga, Latvia, and uh, there's one other little country there. But those are all part of the Eastern Bloc. I didn't come here for a geography lesson, T. Uh, <sighs> I'm, just I'm just breathing out of my mouth. <laughs> So I, before we get back to it, the first time I heard of you being, so you and I have been friends on social media for a long time. The first time I heard of you being involved in this is back when we could all still go and do things together. You were part of, and again, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'll let you fill in the details. You were part of basically this sort of mobile sauna unit that would bring this to various businesses or social situations where people could sauna together. Yeah, it's an incredible story, and it starts at Coco. As a matter of fact, uh, a gentleman named John Peterson, he calls himself Peterson, but it's with a D, so I call him Peterson. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. His family gets it right. But uh, <laughs> he was he was uh, ideating one day on the on the whiteboard and, and having a little brown bag lunch with some members, and you're just supposed to be barfing out whatever ideas come to mind. And I just happened to be walking by, and he says, well, I was going to make a tiny house and put it on wheels, but I think I'm going to make it a sauna instead. And I stopped in my tracks and I said, that's the best idea I've ever heard. I Had you done any sauna stuff prior to hearing oh, yeah. that? Yeah, I'm a lifelong uh, steam and sauna enthusiast. And, you know, okay. particularly over in Asia, I really got the bug. And that okay. was in the 90s. So, yeah, when I heard that somebody was going to, you know, get involved in that, I stopped in my tracks and I said, I want to be in involved in that. Well, that gentleman went on to make the firehouse with his own hands. And it was this cute little A-frame house with a tiny three-person sauna in it. 
And we started a club, and it was called the 612 Sauna Society, and people started showing up and growing numbers, and, and John got to be really famous for having the, the club in his backyard. I have some practical questions, and I hate to keep distracting, but, I mean, things pop into my head. So it's this tiny, I'm sure gorgeous and wonderful little three-person sauna. When you start saying that people start showing up in growing numbers, I mean, are we cramming people in like they did in the 50s into a phone booth? Or? Oh, no, no, it's not like, it's not crowded. I mean, like... Five days a week. I see. You know, Busy. See, yeah. Right. And we'll have, uh, you know, he'll have 10 guests over and then people rotate in and out. Um, simultaneous with that, there was a sauna that came online called Little Box Sauna. And that was designed by two female architects out of the University of Minnesota. And it was a work of art. Yeah. Gorgeous thing. It's beautiful. So they put, they called it Little Box because they put it in front of the big box store, uh, Ikea, down uh-huh. uh, Mall of America. Got a grant to do that. Uh, that made a big media splash, and they um, got John to run that, and that's what you're talking about, where this mobile sauna would be peppered around town. We're yep. in the Nicolette Mall, mm. several cafes, some microbreweries. We got it on the lakefront. I, did, I remember seeing it pop up constantly. So let me let me ask two very practical questions before we go further into sauna culture. So growing up, uh, I had some uh, family friends. Again, growing up very Irish, but I had some family friends living in Minnesota, going to the Boundary Waters constantly that were very, very Scandinavian. And they had converted their boathouse out at the end of their dock on Lake Vermilion to a proper sauna. And so we would go up there in winter before the ice came in, and we would sit in there mm. and then dive into an ice-cold lake. So I'm wondering, first and foremost, the conversation goes back and forth. Some say it's a matter of personal comfort. Some say it's a matter of tradition. Am I supposed to be naked inside the sauna? Well, that's a, you know, it's a, always a present question. And in Minnesota, with, uh, with the way we are. Um, you it, mean square and shy? It, yeah. And we're Americans. We're yeah. left over from the puritanical um, Correct. You know, origins. It's swimsuits and clothing. And we don't even really talk about it. But in a private setting, what you're talking about, you know, in someone's home or whatever, right? Um, ideally, yeah, you're going to have that culture. That I mean, that's the European yeah. tradition, right? Because oh, yeah. Europeans are a lot less hung up, even if the body is not something amazing to behold. They seem to be a lot less hung up on the fact that this is my body. We go into a sauna, we're naked in a sauna, and that's just... And again, because we're puritanical, all of a sudden a naked body automatically means there's something untoward happening, Teak. And that's the other stigma that's attached to sauna. You know, you guys are old enough to remember the 80s when yes. AIDS in the bathhouses. Oh, yeah. Correct. There was a huge, in fact, a lot of laws were changed to illegalize bathhouses uh-huh. uh, because of the, the puritanical. Because it was gay culture. Right. Right. And uh, so we have to work up upstream on that perception as well. And I think we're well past that. And I'm hoping that, say, 20 years from now, a big sect of America will be comfortable with their bodies enough to to enjoy, you know, being in the buff. Because, you know, to your question, I don't get more or less enjoyment, you know, when I have a swimsuit on. Right. But it's one less thing to think about, you know, when you're just yourself, you know, when you can really mm. be who you are. Yes and no, yeah. because for me, like, I've gone to clothing optional beaches, and I'm like, okay, if it's truly clothing optional, hey, look, it's not like I don't have any, I have anything to be embarrassed about, Sean. Don't give me that look, <laughs> all right? We're both Irishmen. Um, but I, I just, because, maybe because of my upbringing, like, I'm, I, there's a part of me that, like, no, I'm a bold frontiersman who's not afraid of anything. But then there's also part of me who's like, wait, I gotta be naked in front of these people? And, and so I, besides they say clothing optional, I opt to wear the clothing cool with everyone else, don't want them to think that I'm some weirdo because I'm wearing my bathing suit. It's just not my jam. I can't do it in front of complete strangers. Right. Well, they do that thing where they just, when you walk to the beach, they go, aw. 
when you're wow. naked. All right, before we go any further on this, Teak, because this show ostensibly is about music, but I, I love this conversation because to me, this is fascinating and it speaks not only to a culture that comes from abroad, but obviously has a home here in the upper Midwest because there's no shortage of people who come from that particular area of the world. Because I'm assuming that's where sauna started, right? Is in Scandinavia. Well, in Finland, again, in it's, Finland. Finland's oh. not Scandinavia, but not a lot of people realize that. But then, yeah, it spread across those peninsulas and then down to Denmark and Germany. How is Finland not Scandinavia, if you don't mind my asking? It's a language thing. I see. Uh, so the Scandinavian languages oh. are uh, Sweden, Norway, and Denmark. And then, yeah, the Finnish, uh, I, I cannot pronounce the word, the Finnish language paradigm is more related to Slavic. Okay. Oh, and, uh, so it, it is more Eastern European than Scandinavian. See, I barely make it to Ham Lake, and so I don't know a lot of these true. things about other parts of the world. And What um, language is it up in Ham Lake? Oh, don't ask. Don't ask questions don't you don't really ask. want the answer to. <laughs> All right. Uh, Teak, you, I, ask, I insist that every guest who comes by picks a handful of songs because, to me, it's not about judging the song or is it cool, is it interesting. I feel like what people like to listen to tells me as much about that person as whether or not they wear their bikini thong in the sauna or not. And so this first one is a local band who I'm lucky enough to know a couple members of, but I want to know what you think about this band and why you chose this particular song. You want me to tell you right now? I want you to tell me right now, Todd. Yeah, just because we're doing the show. But if you wanted to wait till after the show, that's why. I want to email it to our listeners. <laughs> I'm guessing you're picking Whiskey Rock and Roll Club, then. That's what we're going uh, with, because, is, is Whiskey Rock and Roll Club, you may which... Know- you may know two guys in the other band as well, but... Uh, oh, okay. Well, I know one of them. He's sitting across from me. <laughs> Formerly of that band. I see. All right. Uh, so, no, yeah. I, I, and from Whiskey Rock and Roll Club, I, you know, I know so many people. I remember the first time I saw a black jean jacket that had their logo on the back of it. And I'm like, the fuck is Whiskey Rock and Roll Club? And Andy Holmos turned around, and he's like, that's my band. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, I... I, I'm a guy who, like, again, moving on in years, don't go out like I used to go out, but still go out to shows, still pay attention, and it was the first I'd ever heard of it. I, tell me about Whiskey Rock and Roll Club. I, You know, I dis- discovered them on accident just because Taylor one day said, hey, my band is playing at Mortimer's. You, you should come check it out. And right. I, I love Taylor. We've worked together in other contexts. Love going and seeing live music. I show up at Mortimer's, and they ripped my head off. And so I became a fan instantly. I love that feeling, by the way. And that's probably the greatest... I know people are really sick and people actually losing their yeah. lives, but for regular people who this is part of who we are and what we do and mm-hmm. the fabric of what we do, not seeing live music sucks donkey oh, hoof. It's a huge part of my spirituality. I know it's the same way with you, you two hooligans, but that's part of what absolutely... I was going to ask you, what what's the number one thing you're looking forward to after COVID's over, but I think I, it's a rhetorical question. Absolutely, music. bands like this and songs like this. You know, they just did a gig, though, a few weeks ago in someone's backyard in Northeast. Go on. And it's like the second time they've done that. And someone else is doing like oh. r- rooftop gigs over there. Yep. And so, yeah, we're all out sparsely in the in the uh, parking lot or whatever the lot is right out there. It's weird. And My it's phone awesome. must be broken. Yeah, I didn't, never I didn't, leave a man uh, behind, Teak. Never move. leave a man uh, behind. <laughs> you know, at one point, long ago in our social media relationship, you said, 
Oak and Teak, Morning Wood, we should totally do a radio show, but I don't know if I can't be called for gigs by Whiskey Rock and Roll Club. Well, I mean, Andy, if you're listening, uh, we've got to get Brian on the on the mailing list. No, yeah. they they actually they literally called that gig 20 minutes ahead of time. I love that. Yeah, it was That's uh, cool. It was I was still I was still style. free. Yeah, no, I, I had nothing going on that day. That's why I'm just giving you a hard time, man. So, Whiskey Rock and Roll Club is a Minneapolis band that loves to rock and roll. Any particular reason you chose this song, or it's just a it's it's one it's a good one. It's a good one, but I I picked these guys because. Because they interrelate so much with our dynamic community that we're talking about. Right. And so I really wanted to give them a plug as just two. Uh, I don't know Mark that well, but he's also an activist locally. And uh, I just really look up to them as human beings and, you know, all distinct from the from the rock and roll. But when you ask me to pick a couple of tracks, I'm like, I'm going local. Let's do it. Whiskey Rock and Roll Club on The Brian Oak Show.
Yeah, okay. I could see that band live. Yeah, absolutely. And it's weird. So I feel like I know everybody in that band on social media. Kind of like I know you better than social media from anything else. Um, how did we meet? We met at Amy Colliner's uh, Halloween party. Holy cowboy, what were you dressed as? You know, that year I think I just did my kind of 70s greasy cop thing with the uh, the handlebar <laughs> mustache. And I right. had a, a faux leather jacket on. Big uh, nylon collar. Oh, yeah. But I was breezing in and out because I had a date that night. Right. And uh, and Amy's like, no, no, you got to meet Brian. I'm like, oh, man, I'd love to talk to Brian. So we went out back and had a square, and we had like a great 20-minute conversation. We're just riffing on this and that. And uh, and then, yeah, a couple other Halloween parties. I saw you, but you uh, were in the middle of costume changing on, on one of those. And I got it. I got to say... <laughs> For, for anybody who's not heard of Amy's Halloween parties, you know, oh. you talk about going all in on the bit. Uh, and Brian, you you were a class act that year. Uh, I uh, I don't know what I was dressed as that year because I'm not 100% sure what year you're talking about. But people who know my love of Halloween, Halloween music, Halloween culture, this Halloween party ha- is more than 30 years in the making. It wasn't always hosted by Amy and Steve, but it was, you know, hosted by uh, early on my friends Dave and John, all right. IP and um, it my friends take Halloween so seriously like this isn't a party where you can just show up with a sheet thrown over your head and be like I'm a ghost it's like boo beat it nerd like yeah. these people and again it doesn't have to be Hollywood quality but this is Halloween is our high holiday you know and I missed the Halloween party this year for a couple reasons um, one was I quit drinking and this was sort of my drinking high holiday right. and I thought I was going to go and all of a sudden that day came up and I'm like I can't go to this party I'm just not ready to be there yet also COVID so they changed it they moved it outdoors but I love that you know Amy and that you know the sanctity of that. I mean like because Steve her partner the way they deck out their house, they literally start working on it a month and a half in advance. They take it so seriously, and it's so good. And so, yeah, I, and I'm usually a little wound up that night, as it were. So um, I that year that I was in costume change, was I going from the giant alien to more of my indoor costume? Because I came with an outdoor costume and had to change to an indoor costume. Yeah, it was the giant alien that I saw, and then you left, and that's when, and then we didn't reconnect. Yeah, sorry about that. So, so we met there, and yeah, no, Amy and Steve... The best Halloween party I've ever been to in my entire life. And they do it year after year. It was modified this year. It was mitigated. And it's a bummer. But I know that you also worked with Amy at, at Coco, the place that uh, that you... For people who don't understand what that sort of collective workspace is, explain briefly what it is. Sure. And, and Coco, I think, was really special because it was, it was the first in, in town. And all it is, you know, is people think of it as shared office space. Mm-hmm. But what we saw the opportunity to happen was you had all these individuals from different walks of life. And so we needed to figure out a chemistry to get them all working together and, and doing projects. And that's where I came in. So I was, you know, a background in public radio, dealing with all sorts of weirdos in the volunteer world. <laughs> right. And uh, and I love tech. I You know, I'm not a techie, but I understand it. And I love nerds. And there are a ton of nerds, really big hearts. And, and this is the thing. 
I think that made me fall in love with Minnesota as deeply as I have the will to collaborate. Yes. So every day at lunch or for cocktails after work, somebody had a harebrained idea and two people would take that person seriously and they would run with it. Right. And and Amy was always a great cheerleader. I mean, she's a professional. You know, she's a rock star at what she does in the advertising world. She's a thinker. And I mean, I know she's very successful. I know she works now for MSP Mag. But every time that I've ever had like even a half an idea, even even this room right here, the, doing the Brian Oak show, she's like, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this she's kind of exhausting but kind of wonderful at the same time totally and do you remember Vili? that name sounds super familiar Vili Duluthai, i think i'm pronouncing it right <laughs> um she was behind sound unseen for yes, a long time yes 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 and um she was there as a, a co-host with me and yeah her and amy would listen to anyone's ideas and get them on fire right and so but amplify to, them build yeah. them up throw go, other go, things go. into the into the situation and contribute and work for them and make all those things advance and so they were both involved in the sauna thing and uh, several other projects of mine but to back up and answer your question about co-working you know it got so popular over the last 10 years right. and really quite watered down mm -hmm. and so when people go to a we work or an industrious and they say well you know what's so special about co-working right you just can't explain it. And the last piece of this, and this is where I met you, Sean, mm -hmm. um, the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, 15,000 square feet of glorious architecture with that sunlight pouring in. Yeah. And when people walk in there, they just feel something different. Right. Like they feel inspired. They want to talk. And Sean and I were like, hey, who are you? Who are you? you know, <laughs> yeah, and and yeah. I can remember having like really inspired conversations yeah. with you about probably nothing at all yeah, yeah. on those steps. But I remember Sean and a hundred other people just by way of them you know, feeling inspired in this room. Right. So that's what Coco, you know, in, in those two years at the Grain Exchange was, it proliferated. They went up to Northeast. They got the Uptown location. They changed their name to Fueled Collective, you know, and now with COVID having, having some problems. But I still really believe that there's magic possible if you bring in the right kinds of people to, to coordinate that sort of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, Amy was, was a great treat and, um, you know, she was connected to the Utney reader, which, uh, mm. you know, when I lived here in the nineties was kind of the, you know, the pinnacle of, of where anybody wanted to be. And, um, yeah, she's just her, her smarts and her ability to, to bring the right people together to get stuff done is, is very special. Yeah. She's remarkable. And as one of the co-centers of that Halloween party, you talk about my costume change because that, that alien costume was too big to fit indoors. She's someone who's got three to four costume changes every year. Now, I, I like her very much, and I find her remarkable in a lot of ways. Before we talk more to Teak, you had one more thing you wanted to throw in there? Oh, I was just going to say the crazy thing about that building was my great-grandfather worked there. Yeah. As what? a grain trader? Or? Uh, well, he, was a, he wasn't a trader. He was an assistant of some kind. Right. But he had all of his money invested in the stock market and lost it at the crash. And oh. and never, like, he ended up having to move in with his son, my grandfather, and the rest of his career, that was it. But so that building, to be in that same building where my great-grandfather spent all that time was remarkable. But collaborating with these other people was amazing. You'd be like, hey, we need a website. Hey, we need uh, an app built. We need, you know, this to happen. And people are like, oh, yep. Yeah. We'll give you a bid. You know. Not only the resources available, yeah. but you never know when you're going to meet that person that, that adds the right thing to the mixture, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like that alchemy that happens, that to me was is the value of one of those spaces. Now, occasionally, I'm sure you're going to be irritated by someone who's got a lot of really terrible ideas and wants to eat up your afternoon. But more often than not, you're talking to talented, 
capable people who, if they don't have resources themselves, have access to them or ideas or the, the nature of connection and communication. Mm-hmm. That's the lifeblood of a pl- of a co-working place like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And to back up to the music we just heard, that's also where I met Taylor. Uh, and do you remember Chuck Olson? Yes. Uh, so those two had Vid Tiger, and uh, I worked for them coming out of Coco, and that was the beginning for me of a decade of freelancing, uh, all thanks to that proper alchemy, the proper connection. It's the whole bit, and you know, when people asked early on, what is your podcast about? I'm like, it's about this place we live. It's about the Twin Cities. It's about the Upper Midwest, because it's weird how incestuous in the non-sexual way, in the metaphorical way, the Twin Cities are. I mean, we are, you've met everybody, and if you haven't met them on social media, I promise you, a friend that you didn't even realize is best friends with that weirdo you saw oh, make yeah. a comment on another post <laughs> not too long ago. I do want to mention, speaking of this community that we live in, in southeast Minneapolis, there's a great eatery called Busters and 28th, and now with new restrictions coming in, I'm sure it's going to be even more challenging for them, but they've been a sponsor of the Brian Oak Show for a very long time. They're accepting people they make really good food you can get beer and wine to go you can get all their high-end food to go i know that we're all starting to crack and also we're looking like oh there's a dark winter in front of us and holy shit and it's actually getting worse what the fuck are we gonna do call busters on 28th they put up a post yesterday about their cheese curds and i was like oh you know what this this day has cheese curds written on it. So I had some Monday afternoon cheese curds because they're only a few blocks from my house. These are the businesses, you know, you talk about a place like Mortimer's, you talk about bands, you talk about any sort of local industry that you could possibly help. You don't have to give them all of your money. But by each of us supporting the things that make our community what our community is, that, that community is going to survive, or at least more of it than not. Busters, to me, is a very important part of that. And so you should go to bustersontwenty-eighth.com because they do really good work there. Yeah, this next wave here of uh, shutting things down is going to really hurt them. And uh, they do curbside to go. And so that's something to think about. And if you've been fortunate during the time right now where other people haven't, this is the thing that you do. You say, okay, well, maybe I'll buy a gift card for a friend Yep. and I will drop it off at their house without even saying a word because I know that one of them just lost their job right. again. Right. Uh, so take care of them. But go to bustersontwenty8.com. We got the menu there. You can even bring your beer and wine to go if, if you'd like to. Teak, I like talking to people like you because I am sort of a square in the sense that I like to have, so this year has been challenging for me in that I like to have a predictable job. I like to have a predictable paycheck. I like, not, all that's gone away. And so it's been it's been a learning experience. It's been good. As, as we talked about, as you and I were walking up to the studio here, the Smart Start MN studio, this has been a year to test most of our adaptability. But I feel like that level of adaptability is something that you have thrived on and made a part of your fabric long before it was necessitated by cultural or medical medical needs you've moved around a lot you've you've dabbled in a lot of different things tell me how you ended up in southeast asia oh that was actually a punt um because i had run out of money i was uh living here. so let's move abroad so let's move abroad <laughs> because it was a job right um, so this is kind of cool this is the summer of uh, 1996 i just left here and i had i don't know a few uh, like $2,000, $2,500, and I was going to move to Ireland. I had some oh. friends in uh, in near Galway. Oh, I love it, Galway. It's a, a great city. I know now, but I didn't yet. Um, but off the recommendation of friends, they're like, oh, yeah, you can go stay with my friends, you know, da-da-da. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I packed up my things from Minneapolis, 
And I had to go home to Denver because my cousin was graduating from uh, high school, valedictorian. Mm. I had to see that. And then my mom was getting married uh, to a guy that I introduced her to, and they wanted me to be the best man. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go home. But that, you know, it took about eight weeks out of my life, you know, where I, I couldn't go to uh, Ireland. So I took a job at YMCA Camp Shadybrook as the music and drama director. And it was amazing. It was up in the mountains. Uh, it was a crazy job. But here's what happened. I fell in love with uh, a girl named Shannon. Ah, these things will happen. <laughs> oh, love. And, uh, like, love. Huge love. And so lost all that $2,500 in no time. And you make, I, th- <laughs> I think you made $105 a week at, at YMCA Camp Shadybrook. So some serious walking around money. Uh, yeah, you were, you were doing great on that Saturday <laughs> afternoon you had off. Uh, but no, so I lost my money. And then one of the dudes that I met at that camp, uh, John Jugenheimer, uh, he calls me up from Atlanta, Georgia in November. And he says, uh, or in October, he says, hey, man, do you want to go to South Korea? I've got a, a teaching English job. And uh, and he told me all about it. They pay for your airfare. You know, they get you, they give you living expenses. And you don't have to know Korean to go teach English there. Nope. nope. Okay. Just immersion, to, right? Yeah. Well, it's... Uh, it, what we found out over there is it's more that you are um, a white American. Yeah. And they just put you up on posters. We were signing autographs <laughs> with balloons. <laughs> we were doing like all these kind of like, uh, hey, we're white American. Hey, look, there's an American. It's <laughs> an American. That was a lot of our job. Um, and, it, you know, it was weird and it was interesting. We did actually teach English. Um, and then I got some gigs with uh, some corporate clients. So are you uh, in Seoul or where are you at in South Korea? We were about an hour south of Seoul in okay. a little town called uh, Kyanggi-do, Gwangju. And um, it was, here's a wonderful part of that story. Our apartment was at the base of a, a tiny mountain. And all morning long, um, elderly people would walk up that mountain to a, hmm. a Zen monastery up on top. And not only was the monastery there, but they had a, a natural fountain. And so that's why the people were walking up there was to get the natural water uh, out of the earth. And then wow. there was an outdoor uh, athletic facility. There was all these old people working out, <laughs> slamming their bodies into trees and doing like, you know, thousands of years old traditions. And uh, so I walked up there every morning, did some meditation at the temple, got some water. Um, it, was, it was a wonderful little town. It was also hard living because it's uh, it wasn't Seoul and Seoul right. you know had right. kind of America some Americanized things mm-hmm. and here you really had to be a, a local. Um, but back to the the sauna thing, bath culture uh, saved me. Uh, those are on every single street corner and you pay about a five dollar equivalent, go in for as long as you want, and they have every kind of thermic bathing you could want from you know steam to traditional sauna, cold plunges in between each one of them. Uh, loofahs and, you know, get all the, the foliage off of you. So that really was kind of my lifestyle was just, you know, rigging up teaching and writing gigs and then, you know, exploring those, those elements of, of culture. Um, I went over to Japan for a, we had to do a visa thing over there. And so I went over to Nagoya, Japan, and I loved it mm-hmm. in ways that I didn't quite care for, for Korea. Right. Um, and then I ended up having to leave, uh, in the like nine month mark, uh, because my grandmother was sick back in the, Mm. in the States. So, but it was also money wise, their economy, uh, it was two, or I'm sorry, uh, 1998 and it imploded that year Uh and we were being paid in the Korean won. And so all of a sudden we were making zero money. Uh, my friend though, he stayed on and actually renegotiated his contract, met a, a New Zealand woman of Korean descent. And uh, she was, I, I don't know, she had a great job. And so they raised a family. He started a farm in, in South, South Korea. Mm. And he's still over there to this day, happy as can be. Um, but yeah, I only was there for, for less than a year. 
And um, and that's my yeah South Korea story. Before we get to the next song you've chosen, I want to know because you know so bathing culture obviously very very closely related to sauna culture, but we're talking opposite sides of the world. We're talking cultural divides as wide as exist on planet Earth. Yet somehow there's this universal thing about again maybe with strangers maybe with family uh, but both are acceptable completely nude we're going to exist in steam we're going to get very cold or we're going to sit in warm water together i mean in a, a very very diluted non-spiritual version of that is every time i've gone to a hotel whether i was a kid or an adult at some point you find yourself in the hot tub next yep. to the pool at the holiday inn i feel like that's even a small whiff of a part of that but but there's clearly something more there you spent much more time around it. What do you think it is about steaming or bathing culture? Whether we talk about Native Americans, I mean, sweat lodges, that kind of thing. There's something about this communal experience of being around steam or warm water. What do you think it is that binds a human being, no matter who they are, or where they came from? What, it, what, what is it that or at least you find good about? Why do you think this binds people together? That's a, a great set of questions, Brian, and you, you actually intuitively are answering your own question. It is a, it's a universal concept. Yeah. Therm, thermic bathing, and John coined this term thermoculture. Uh, it's a riff on permaculture, right? Um, but it really works. There are all these thermal cultures, and that includes hot and cold mm-hmm. and the juxtaposition of the two. And the word that I use when I'm writing about this and I'm trying to promote is it's undeniable. When you do it, when you when you're when it's twenty below here in Minnesota and you're in mm-hmm. a two hundred degree room and then you walk outside and you dive in the snow or you dive in the lake, the physical reaction that you have, it's universal. It's mm-hmm. a sense of complete peace and complete health. And the thing that I sell to people that don't know anything about this, I'm like, come, come, I'll give you a free session. We'll make sure it's cold and it's late at night. And I guarantee you you will have the best sleep you have ever had in your entire life. I guarantee it. I, I, I will make bets on it. I'll say, you will call me in the morning, and you will, you will have had the best sleep of your life. It never has not happened. You absolutely feel like a million bucks. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm interested because it's, I mean, I'm, and I'm sort of thinking out loud as I do this because a lot of this is occurring to me for, do, in my life in radio, one of the things I did, you know, you often are sort of the Bobo that's the ringleader, like, hey, we're all going to go do this thing. We're all going to do that <laughs> thing. But to raise money for Special Olympics for more than 10 years in a row, I did the Polar Plunge. Now, it, did, it was not accompanied by a, a lovely warming sauna. It was literally them cutting a hole in four feet of ice creating this whole first responders in dry suits all the way around you to make sure everyone was safe, but then literally spending the day and it, it, yes, it was for a good cause, but there's more to it than that there, you know, watching literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people go through this process and me myself doing it, you know, on, it was weird because it always felt like jumping into a pool of, a million frigid knives. It was not an enjoyable experience, but it was pushing your body to a level or a limit that you weren't sure it's on paper was a super good idea. And and I have friends, my good buddy of mine, Jeff, who he used to go intentionally climb frozen waterfalls on purpose. I'm like, Oh hell no. There's perfectly good. (laughs) There's perfectly good snow on the ground right here. I'll stand here. But I couldn't over the course of 10 years to get him to come and jump in that water with me. He's like, you're fucking nuts. No way. You know? So I mean, there are some bragging rights to doing things like that, but I feel like that's not too far afield from the culture that you're talking about. There's a bonding there. There's a universal experience 
I don't know that I've ever been more awake or alive in my entire life than after I've gone, you know, and some people will splash in. To me, like, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Dive all the way in, go underwater. It's hideous. It's awful. This water <laughs> is literally a half a degree away from being frozen, but I feel like it's somehow related to the culture that you're talking about. It is. Have you heard of Wim Hof yet? I don't know. Uh, he's also called the Iceman. He uh, does, t- he does uh, corporate taxes, doesn't he? <laughs> sounds sounds oh, like that guy Wim Hof Limited <laughs> yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, yeah No, I don't Sorry. know who Wim Hof is uh, So he's a, he's a famous cat in these circles Of what we're talking about Specifically cold therapy mm-hmm. And he's got an amazing story Where he lost his wife uh, to suicide And he had, oh. I think, something like Three or four kids that he had to take care of But he was in this incredible depression And he knew of thermic bathing traditions And, you know, he, I think he was from uh, I think he's Dutch and um, he started to do cold bathing and he figured out a breathing technique to not only cure himself of depression but to cure all sorts of physical ailments mm. he has gone on now for the last 20 years to tour the world and scientists all these people are hooking up those little nodes to his body right. they'll inject him with a virus you know he's run marathons in the Sahara Desert he's run marathons in Antarctica mm. um, he's, he just has proven all these incredible health benefits his thing is a breathing technique, and it's all you know, it's very rigid and it's proprietary. You know, he's got like it's all copyrighted and of whatnot. Course. But that mm. has given rise to a huge culture of cryotherapy, where the science is just again, it's undeniable what it does for your body, for all of your immune systems, for your respiratory, for you know mm. even things like eyesight and whatever. It, it what it does to the muscles, it just coordinate or it kind of integrates the entire body and it heals it. Mm-hmm. And it, so we're just starting to we're just starting to learn more about what cold does. What we know as as sauna people is that the juxtaposition adds another eighty percent of pleasure. Well, and, and people talk about the that 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 sort of sharp shock of these wildly different ends of the spectrum in terms of temperature and human tolerance. And my wife always was like, "You don't have to do the jump this year, the plunge this year, do you?" I mean, what about a heart attack? And yeah. so, I mean, since you're literally surrounded by police officers because they're the ones who got the polar plunge started, first responders, firefighters, I would ask them every year. They're like, "There's never been one single incidence of a heart attack." Now, people get very, very cold, and if you spend too much time outside afterwards. You know, you you run the risk of some hypothermia, maybe a little frostbite, but that's why they have warming tents. That's why they have a, a, a you know a giant whirlpool for you to get in afterwards to warm your body up. But those extremes of temperature, it's one of the reasons that I don't mind winter in Minnesota. Do I always want it to be 20 below? No. But as a guy who used to get up for work at 4 a.m. Oh. every day, walking outside, you know, the dinosaur weather of the summer versus that cold weather. In dinosaur weather, I feel stupid. I feel slow. I sweat when I'm standing still like I'm running a marathon. But when I walk out at 4.30 in the morning in that ridiculously deep cold, there's a level of awareness and sharpness. And frankly, a little bit of a level of fear. There's a small part of my brain saying, if you don't fucking pay attention, you could honestly be dead in the next 10 minutes. And I'm like, there's a level of clarity that goes along with that that I think that probably is a healthy thing to occasionally think about. It it, That whole be here now thing that to some people can be a little too meditative and a little (laughs) too thoughtful and like, whoa, brother. Being here now, I think some of this thermos stuff you're talking about, it puts you in the immediate right now. And I think that that, the the health benefits of that and the mental benefits of that are beyond proven. I'm going to tell you guys a a story that's going to blow your mind. So my dream with all of this is to create an ice diving facility. And this is not a polar plunge. This is where you are suited up in a full neoprene outfit with a Mm. neoprene hood 
only part of your body that's exposed is this little part here with your nose and your mouth. What mm. about your eyes? Covered like by like with goggles? goggles? Okay. Yeah, big, big goggles. Right. And you, you know, cut a hole in the ice. You have a mono fin, so you look like a mermaid. And you have the... the I like this story better by the minute. Um, you have your, uh, hand paddles on so that you can get around the water easier. And you drop down under the ice and you've got, you know, snow is cleared away from the ice. So there's, there's light pouring in or sometimes there's supplemental lights. But what happens is what nobody knows is that on top of the ice, it's all flat, right? It's just an endless flat. But underneath the ice, it looks like the moon because ice grows down in staglomites. And so you mm. have this incredible moonscape that you just didn't know existed. But to your point, Brian, talk about being focused and being here now you can't screw up. You have to do what you're going to do, look around, have your time, and get back to that hole and not get disoriented. Um, a lot of people do this for world records, for you know, holding your breath. or you know, <laughs> Free whatever. divers, free, things like it's, that. It's free right? diving. It's exactly right. that. For me, the reason I want to set this up is for that almost spiritual experience of being completely present in that moment and then we'll have a sauna right outside i was gonna say your legal department better be on fucking point as well because it sounds like <laughs> your in, your insurance costs are going to be through the freaking roof even for people who are willing participants because all it's going to take is one bad experience and things can go south i don't know as much as i enjoyed the plunge it was a real in and out Although I love the idea of having a monofin on my legs, I'm not sure that I'm quite brave enough because I also get claustrophobic. And if I don't know right where that freaking mm-hmm. hole is, mm-hmm. I'm going to freak out. Yeah, it's it's not for everybody. And I, I was a competitive swimmer and I, I love that sort of Me thing. Me too. But also yeah. there were the whole water surface was open up when I was a competitive swimmer. Yeah. There, there weren't only limited holes of oxygen. To I used to have on. nightmares about that very thing that you're talking about, that I would fall through the ice and not be able to find the hole i don't know what that well we all saw it's a wonderful life george's younger brother didn't make it man well he did make it but he wouldn't have made it if you know he'd never been born it's been a long time since we've heard a song and this is fascinating but we got (laughs) 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 say that again little fella i haven't heard anything in that year yeah okay Merry Christmas, you all savings and loan. <laughs> Merry, Merry. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Bert, you know me, Bert. Bert, my mom's bleeding. Okay, no, everybody no, can do their. We're dinner. saving. We're saving that for Christmas. We're saving it for Christmas. We should do a short reading of "It's a Wonderful Life" on a show, and each take a couple of characters. Didn't we talk about that last? We just year? never did it. Okay. I... It's my mom's favorite movie of all time, oh, so if we don't invite her to be like oh, Violet or absolutely. somebody... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, she'll be a few characters. All right. Anyway, we're getting a far afield. It's been a long time. We try to wrap these shows up within an hour, but every once in a while, you find out about dressing like a mermaid and going under the ice, and um, good to talk to you, TK. No, so we're not quite good to the goodbye yet, but before we uh, talk anymore, we are going to hear one more song, because people can only go so long without a little music. Tell me who Pioneer Sun are. So Pioneer Sons, a, a few friends of mine, it's a trio quartet. I um, have known two of the guys for over 20 years, and this is a question I have for you. Do you remember the Snozberries? Well, I remember where that's from. It's from Willy Wonka. Right. I don't know if I remember the band, the Snozberries, but of course, I mean, what you, what era are we talking about uh, here? Late 80s. They, I think they were at their peak around 91, It's 92. possible, but I... Like college rock band or... Yeah, they were out of St. John's, St. Okay. Ben's. And um, so, yeah, I actually never saw the band, but they were getting, you know, to a place where they were going to kind of sign a, a contract and, and be all big, mm-hmm. and then they broke apart. 
And that's because where, nobody wanted to be famous. What the hell? Well, one of the guys who was the most talented, in fact, he's in this band, um, wanted to move to Europe and start a solo career. Of so, course, he did. Uh, so that, I just thought you might have known because you were really hot the, on the, the scene the, back the then. Na- the na- well, I wasn't. I mean, I was trying to be, but I wasn't that hot on. But I went out a ton, so it's very possible I saw them. But it's not ringing an immediate bell for me. But yeah, so the the other guy, um, Aaron, is one of my best friends, uh, both as just. Uh, friend and musician we've played really wonderful music together so i was in this band for about five six months last year our debut show my debut show with the band was going to be on the day that ended up being the first day of quarantine and so <laughs> i never saw the light of day i had a great time with them they're still you know my best friends what do you play uh, we haven't even talked about I'm you a drummer. Music. you're a drummer yeah. all right right on um but no they're still going strong and hopefully after quarantine ends you know we'll all get back together and and produce music again but that's the story of Pioneer Sun. Let's hear a little more Minnesota music from Pioneer Sun on the Brian Oak Show. This one's called Help Me On My Way.
Minnesota music from Pioneer Sun on the Brian Oak Show, Oak Show, episode 107. Before we go, Sean, you are also a sponsor of the show. You like to move units. You get people into homes. You get people out of homes. Um, how's everything going over at Dino Realty? It's good. It's been really busy, uh, surprisingly busy. We're, uh, as a whole group, I think we're up 27% year over year. Which Isn't is, November supposed to be a dead time Yeah, in it's supposed to be, but because of COVID... People are either fixing up their homes to stay in them longer or they're fixing up their homes because they want to not live there anymore. And I think there are a lot of people who realized uh, that this may last longer and that they may be working from home. There are also uh, many businesses where they've kind of realized that there are people that can be productive even away from the office. And some people have just decided they need more space or less space or whatever. But uh, give me a call at 612-859-2594. If you or someone you know is in the market to buy or sell. Did you see that Brad Fox, the drummer from Farewell Milwaukee, has a new oh, show on I HGTV? I was like, he looks so familiar. And I'm like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? I finally looked it up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been in the same room with the guy a million times. He and his wife have had a design and realty company for a long time, and now they have an HGTV show. And here's the thing. I don't like touching hammers. I, the last yeah. thing I'm ever going to do is get involved in a home project of any size whatsoever other than possibly that's my hammer in your hand by the way it is um other than hanging the pictures on the walls in the smart start mn studio that's about as hammery as i get but i have this sort of weird sick secret love of watching shows on the hgtv channel you'd love it or list it your flop or flip here all that I, I don't know what it is. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's not who I am. I like Brad's show. I mean, it's actually a pretty good show. We should have him on this show. Sometime. We are. Gonna, I actually already reached out to him. Oh, um, perfect. We are going to have him on this show only because what's fun is a lot of these shows are like, hey, we live in Indianapolis and we flip homes here. They're in the Twin Cities all the time. Like here we are in the Kingsfield neighborhood. I'm like, I have driv- I drove through there yesterday. Is it's kind of cool. Is he a drummer or a keyboardist or what is he? Drummer from Drum- Farewell Milwaukee. Yeah, drummer. He's the drummer. Dude. He is. Okay. Speaking of drummers, we're talking to Tico Riley and Tico. Before we call this, you know, obviously we have so much more we could have talked about. And that's the way these work. We kind of barely scratch the surface. You will come back again sometime, yeah? Oh, absolutely. And before we kick your ass out today, tell me what your most, because you are, as I called you earlier, a master jack. You are a master of many trades, but also a <laughs> jack of all. You seem to not want to sit in one spot for very long. You follow your muse. You've got a lot of different ideas. What is the most recent thing that you are devoting most of your dream energy towards? Oh boy! Uh, I know there's many things. Give me, <laughs> give me one. We only have time for one. Well, I'm gonna have to put it with sauna since that's, uh, that's okay. been our uh, the bulk of our conversation. I'm working with Cedar and Stone Nordic Sauna up in uh, Duluth, and uh, we just worked together to bring over Hoom stoves from Estonia. Uh, Justin up there in Duluth builds just Cadillac versions. Uh, that really has been taking up uh, a lot of the last six months since Stokeyard Outfitters kind of had to punt and change for for COVID, but. Um, yeah, that and stigma hemp are uh, kind of my lifeblood, and just trying to keep uh, keep things intact through this through this rough year. As we're all trying to do, when you talk about stigma hemp, not to go too far into it, but are we talking about just like things like CBD oil? Are we talking about making like curtains? What are we talking about with hemp? You nailed it. Uh, their primary uh, business is CBD oils right now, but uh, Josh is laying down the bedwork to to build an entire industrial hemp 
economy and uh, to build social equity into that. And that's where I come in is I'm really trying to make sure that that economy, as it happens, as recreational Mm. arrives, uh, that the right people, the people, the communities that have been affected are getting the licenses. They're getting the leg up on this industry as it comes in. But yeah, my personal interest is with uh, industrial textiles. And I'd love to see uh, local farmers uh, really capitalize on that because the CBD industry sort of tanked. Uh, as that you know became the gold rush too big too fast well and the hemp industry i mean even though it's cliche at this point to a lot of people when you talk about the acreage necessary to create a certain amount of numbers of fibers and things like that i mean hemp should be replacing trees and other industrial fibers in almost every regard everywhere but it still has this well stigma hemp i mean it, it has that stigma that people are like well, I'm not so sure about this wacky weed being used in my curtains. Are my kids going to get high off this? Are they going to be smoking it when we go on vacation? People still think that way, and it's it's. I know it's changed a lot, and it is changing still, but we still have a ways to go. Definitely, and that, that's the story that I tell. You know, yes, what I'm up to, I'm really trying to get that stigma released and get people knowing that, no, it's not the wacky weed. They can make money off of it. It's safe for their kids. That said... I'm all about the recreational medicinal weeds as well. I was going to say, I think we're all on the same page, even though I'm living the sober lifestyle these days. It's just time, man. It's happened everywhere. Knock it off. And I got to be honest, as a guy who spent most of my adulthood drinking and a good chunk of it smoking... All the bad things that happened to me happened when I was drinking, not when I was smoking weed. Other than eating all the chips and not having Lenny left when I woke up later from smoking weed, shit we're out of chips was about as dark as it ever got smoking weed. can you weed. believe South Dakota beat us to it? South the fucking Coda. They, I mean, they're they're like pre Weimar Germany, and yet somehow <laughs> yeah, they're like, exactly. and, and they're like, yeah, but let's go ahead and legalize that yeah. weed. Shall so we? odd, it's so odd, very odd. All right, we gotta wrap things up. We've been going for too long here. T, good to talk to you. If if there's one website or destination that people you direct them to to find out what you're up to, or if they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Just drop me an email, TKO. It's uh, stigmahemp.com, and uh, and I'll fill you in on anything you need to know for any of these things we've talked about. We've talked about a lot, and people can also get a hold of me, and I'll get you Teak's information as well. Good to see you, man, and nice hang. We'll do this again sometime, Thanks right? so much, Brian and Sean. This was a blast. Absolutely. Great seeing you, uh, We're going to wrap things up, so thanks again to all our sponsors. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. Thanks to anybody who's ever listened to an episode of this show. I'm always, I always marvel at it, but then I'll get people out of nowhere, like our good friend John Clifford, who independently promoted our conversation with Cornbread Harris, and, you know, it just... It, it, I guess I'm just saying that I'm humbled and I'm thankful. And as we talked about, this has been a challenging year or time for a lot of us. And we're testing our adaptability. And I do remain genuinely grateful for your friendship and your expertise, Sean. It's nice to work with you. You I really, I really like that. And the number of people have been willing to come by. I remain genuinely thankful. And that being said, we do have to wrap things up, but I always pick the music. I'm always, (laughs) and I asked Sean to pick a song to take us out today. Well, yeah, and the, so so with the death of my uncle and with my mom getting COVID, uh, I decided to start doing therapy for the first time in seven years. Uh, so it's weird because it's over Zoom. Do you like your therapist? I do. Because that's a big, I found oh, it, I've you, tried therapy a couple yeah, times, yeah, and you, if you don't find the right person, no, no one's going to no one's gonna get any joy. So, and then that can take some time to find the right it, person. It really does. And so I had, uh, I've had to fire a therapist before. I had one oh, that, yeah. I had one that was knuckle deep in his nose all the time, uh, while, picking his nose, yeah, while, picking his nose, knuckle no, deep. No, while, no. Yeah, so not to go too long in this, but with my current therapist, <laughs> only only one knuckle deep. Yeah, only one knuckle. No, but I just she's like, so what's going on? And and she she's 
probably 30, so she'd probably never heard any replacements music. But I just said, I'm so unsatisfied. And she, you know, of course, didn't have any clue what the reference was. I just said, with everything else going on in the world, between COVID-19, the stuff that happened with Black Lives Matter, my uncle, who was one of my best friends, dying, my mom getting getting COVID-19, I really kind of lost it. And some, I, I battled a little, little bit of depression in my life, some anxiety, but this song has come to mind. Now, days like today and spending time with Teak, who isn't from here originally, but you are a Twin Cityan, and you love this place, and you bring up such great energy. This is the stuff that fills me up. So we can listen to this song, but yeah, that's that's why I picked it. It's just that feeling of, of just being unsatisfied with, with a, a very self-centered world. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next time on The Brian Oak Show.